This is some extra material from the Nordics Info podcast interview with Jana Holman, recorded in February 2021, about the Nordics and small state theory. In some ways, it's not really very surprising that you became interested in this link between what was going on in the outside world and the textbooks in schools, because the way you describe it is that you you yourself were sitting in the Orland Islands where you grew up, uh, itself a demilitarized uh, island uh, that belongs to one state but has very close links to another state, uh, which is in the Baltic Sea. Difficult to ignore the fact that the Soviet Union and then subsequently Russia was just there. Um, this interesting geopolitical context. Perhaps you could tell us a bit more about this concept of the Nordics being a small fish in international relations, um, Orland Islands perhaps being an even smaller fish. Um, I understand it's sometimes referred to as small state theory. Yes, of course, it is a relative term. The Nordic countries, you have three that is have five million, so then one that has 10 million, and then if you look at Iceland, it's, it's much smaller still. But if you compare, when you, when you, when you we describe uh, uh, the Nordic countries as small states, we, we compare to like the Soviet Union or Russia and uh, the United States on the other hand, because the, this concept about small states and the uh, political scientists who were talking about small states theory in, in the, during the Cold War period, they were, they were thinking in a Cold War framework and mostly most countries in Europe were in, in that in this global conflict between Soviet Union and the United States they were small states and if uh, people who had been studying international relations in the first half of the 1900s they were mostly looking at great powers and many were projecting that the great powers they will engulf the whole world Russia and maybe the British Empire and the United States they will take over most of the world and the, all the small states will be absorbed because how will they be able to defend themselves? So if you have this realist uh, view of, of politics, that, that's the inevitable outcome in a way. But uh, it turned out that that was not the case. So, so many political scientists, or at least some political scientists from the 1950s almost, started to study small states. And then they looked back at the Second World War, which was the previous period. And, and some small states, they did disappear during the Second World War, but, but many have survived, like the Nordic countries, for example, they all survived. And then there was one, Annette Baker Fox, an American political scientist, she studied the Nordic countries and other smaller countries in Europe who survived the, the Second World War, and she looked at which kind of strategies could these small states use in order to to, to ensure their survival in this environment. And there were different strategies, like for example, well, defense, like Finland could, could use the defense in, in the, against, against the Soviet Union. But one precondition for a successful defense is this, is that you have some kind of national unity. So that's, that's very important in, for small state. If you have national unity, you can, you can uh, 
we defend your country successfully. But there are also other strategies like the pilot fish strategy. The pilot fish is the small fish who are eating crumbs from the teeth of the sharks and then they survive because they are they're very close to the shark and, and doesn't really upset it and it can be a little bit beneficial to the shark also. And then there's also the counterbalance of power strategy that as a small state you're always if you are between larger states you're always uh, pleasing the strongest part a little bit more than the other ones. You can say like Sweden did during the Second World War when they made concessions to Germany until Stalingrad and then afterwards they started to, to slowly turn the ship to. When people talk about small states these days, is it is it still a relevant category? I guess there was a period where sort of uh, uh, realism in relation to international relations was sort of out of fashion and perhaps it's sort of come back the last 10-15 years. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's still relevant because Nordic countries, for example, they still behave like you expect small states to behave according to these theories. Another strategy for small states is to build alliances, for example. And the Nordic countries who are members of NATO, they have used this, this strategy. But uh, still another strategy is to try to create an international environment which follows some kind of rule of law principles. And this might explain why the Nordic countries, they have been so active on the international arena in order to try to mediate in conflict and why they have supported the United Nations so strongly. Because for smaller states, it's very important that the international order functions according to some kind of principles of, of rule of law. For Vladimir Putin or Donald Trump, it's not as important because they, they can do pretty much what they want anyway. But smaller countries, they are very much dependent about the functioning international law. That's really interesting because often the Nordic countries position it as if they're doing the world a favor when they go in and mediate in you know into other conflicts and so on and so forth but I guess they've got a, 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 a certain amount of self-interest in what they're doing. You have been listening to some extra material from the Nordics Info podcast interview with Jana Holman, recorded in February 2021, about the Nordics and small state theory. If you would like to know more, please visit Nordics Info. Mm-hmm.